0: Everybody, what is going on? You know what time it is. You're listening to Join the Journey podcast with your host, Emma Daughter. Thanks for joining. How much time do you typically spend thinking about the ending of epistles, the endings of the letters we read in the Bible? In today's Devo on 1 Corinthians 16, that's the last chapter of the book of First Corinthians, Kristen helped us see through her Devo that we have responsibilities to steward our money, our opportunities in ministry, and our relationships in the church in a way that glorifies God. And if you haven't gotten a chance to read her Devo, I'd encourage you to check it out. As a way of reminder, part of the heart behind Join the Journey is that we're all reading God's Word together. And I would love to read about what God has been teaching you as we've read 1 Corinthians. One easy way to share about what God's been teaching you is to leverage the review section of Apple Podcasts. Use that space to share maybe your favorite verse from First Corinthians, something you were convicted of, or something that encouraged you. It'll take a couple days for your notes to populate, most likely, but I can't wait to read them and really give you guys the opportunity to hear from each other. What have you been learning? Now, if you're anything like me, you probably have a tendency to breeze through the intro and outro of epistles, letters. But today, as we finish our time in First Corinthians, there are a few things worth noting in Paul's concluding remarks. Typically. When a speaker or writer ends a speech or a letter, they'll end by way of reminder. What was their main point or big idea? What's the one thing they want their readers to walk away with? You may have noticed that as we've studied 1 Corinthians, I've ended each episode by saying that in the midst of correction, God's grace always makes room for redemption. I finished with that line because as we've seen, as we've read 1 Corinthians together and continue to study it on Sunday mornings, the theme of this book is correction. But the good news is that our mistakes don't have to have the last word. God wasn't done working in and through the Corinthians. All throughout this book, you might have picked up on the fact that the Corinthians seemed to have had some issues submitting to authority. Whether it was spiritual leaders, roles within the family, or the use of spiritual gifts, issues arose. Many wanted to do their own thing or gravitate toward what we might consider celebrity pastor culture. And given all of that context, It makes sense that Paul would acknowledge maybe some less flashy servants of the Lord. In verses 16 and 17, Paul mentions a guy named Stephanus. Paul previously mentioned him in 1 Corinthians, but if you're anything like me, you probably forgot about him. I mean, honestly, I didn't know who he was at first. But as the team and I studied, here's what we found. According to chapter 1, verse 16, Stephanus and his family were Paul's first converts in Achaia. That's the territory where Corinth was located and this family had selflessly served the Corinthians. They were marked by altruism, which is a fancy way of saying that they put the needs of others before their own. Commentators are left to conclude that they were probably pretty loyal to Paul given their history and faithfulness. And they may have been the means by which Paul received some of his information about the health of the Corinthian church. Paul encouraged his readers to cherish and appreciate Stephanus and his family for their ministry. They weren't to be disregarded, in fact, They should be looked to as an example of faithfulness. They were faithful servants. As one commentator said, service, not status, should be the basis for honor in the church. And that idea of service over status is pretty consistent with everything Paul outlined in his letter. He wanted the Corinthians to prioritize faithfulness over that which was flashy. In my own life, I have to continually remind myself to place faithfulness on a pedestal. More specifically, as I navigate the throes of social media ministry, I've got to make sure I'm keeping myself in check and letting my community group and spiritual leaders in my life in. It can be so easy to get swept away by that which is celebrated by your peers, co-workers, or the culture of the day. Every day, I seek to remind myself that faithfulness is the goal. Prioritize faithfulness over that which is flashy or impressive. Faithful over flashy. We're running out of time, but I want to point out one more thing in verse 21. Paul says, I, Paul, write this with my own hand. That's likely because it was typical for him to dictate his letters to a scribe, but scholars believe it was also typical for him to add some sort of word or greeting in his own penmanship at the end of the letter. This would serve as validation. The letter was actually from Paul. Now, there's a little bit of disagreement over the specifics of what I write this in my own hand meant, but you get the idea. Paul concludes by saying in verse 2, If anyone has no love for the Lord, let him be accursed. Our Lord come. These two sentences, they're interesting for really two main reasons. One, we should note that Paul typically used the Greek word agape for love. We talked about that back in episode 57. But here, he uses phileo. That's the brotherly love. And for some, this might cause confusion. I consulted our resident Greek expert, Bobby Crotty, director of Watermark Equipping, and he said this literally translates, if someone not loved the Lord is already accursed. So what we read in our Bibles, it's accurate. Why the use of phileo love instead of agape then? It's likely that as any good writer, Paul is using different words to say what he's already said. Remember, he's concluding the letter. Phileo is used twice in John and once in 1 Corinthians, John 5.20, for the father loves the son, and John 16.27, for the father loves you. We're left to conclude Paul's just using another word for love without having to repeat the same word he's been using throughout the letter. We work hard to do this. Good writers use variety. It's not surprising that the writers of scripture would do the same thing led by the Spirit. We'd expect excellent writing as he concludes his letter. And the second thing worth noting is that Paul says, Our Lord come, or Maranatha in the NASB. Maranatha is an Aramaic expression. And honestly, it's odd to find an Aramaic word in a letter written in Greek to a Greek community. So how do we make sense of this? One commentator said, The explanation is that that phrase had become a watchword and a password. It summed up the vital hope of the early church and Christians whispered it to each other, identified each other by it in a language which an unbeliever could not understand. It would appear then that the fixed usage of the term Maranatha by the early Christians was a witness to their strong belief in the imminent return of Christ despite potential present persecution. Jesus could come at any moment, so why would we not take him and his desires for us seriously? That's Paul's point. All believers mess up. We make mistakes and get things wrong, but the Jesus we believe in is real. He's coming back and he's worthy of our honor and imperfect attempts at obedience. Keep at it, friends. Keep trying to be faithful because in the midst of correction, God's grace always makes a way for redemption. Hey, we want to thank you for listening and we hope you enjoyed the episode. Did you know that you can help support Join the Journey by rating and reviewing this podcast?